Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, featuring stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. Urban highways are ubiquitous in pretty much every city across America. They cut through neighborhoods, make navigation challenging, decrease property values, and bring exhaust and noise into our communities. But they also help people move quickly from one end of the city to the other, right? Which is why they were built in so many places, especially during the suburban boom of the 20th century. They help people travel quickly from jobs in the city to homes in the suburbs. Today, there's a movement to stop building and expanding these highways, and Strong Towns is a leading voice in that fight. There's also a movement to try to undo the harm that these highways have already caused and remove them, or parts of them, altogether. The Tremaine neighborhood of New Orleans has been home to one such highway for decades, the Claiborne Expressway. Tremaine is an active, culturally rich community near the heart of the city, but it's been harmed by the dust, noise, disruption, pollution, crime, and economic disinvestment that resulted from this highway cutting through the neighborhood. Amy Stelly, whose family has been in Tremaine for generations, is helping lead a fight to remove that highway for good. She's an urban planner and architect who knows what the neighborhood was like before the highway and sees how its removal could help local businesses thrive, help more residents invest in their homes, and make Treme a safer and more enjoyable place to live and spend time, not just a place to speed through quickly. To help fellow residents see that potential and push for that change, she's led community gatherings, activism, and poster campaigns, just to name a few things, to show what Treme could be without the highway. She shares a wealth of very candid insights about the need for highway removal, the benefits, and the process to make it happen in this episode. Amy Stelly, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be involved in the advocacy work that you do in your community? Yes, I'm happy to. Well, um, my name is Amy Stelly. I was born and raised in New Orleans. My family moved to Treme from uptown New Orleans when I was a, a year old. So I've spent most of my life here. Um, and even when I lived away and practiced urban design away from the city, I would come back every six months to visit my family and my house. So in many ways, I never left the city. I just worked in different locations and went to school elsewhere. Um, my advocacy work began when I returned home in 2012 and declared that the interstate would have to be removed. Um, and I did that at the site of a building implosion, which was a a really horrible place. It was originally built as housing right up against the interstate. It never worked and devolved into a very seedy motel. So when it was imploded, I was thrilled and declared that the interstate would be the next big thing on Claiborne to go. Um, But my work began in earnest in 2017 when I rose up with a group of neighbors and other community members to oppose a development that the city was proposing under the interstate. And that was really the beginning of the work that you see today. You know, I think a lot of people 
know about New Orleans and maybe have visited as a tourist. But um, for those that aren't familiar with the city and um, in your neighborhood specifically, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like, some of the you know best assets and also some of the biggest challenges that you see in, in your neighborhood, in your city? Okay. Well, for those of you who haven't been to New Orleans, um, Treme is one of the neighborhoods that's considered the sliver along the river. So it's high ground. It's very desirable. So New Orleans geographically slopes down into a bowl and then the land on the bank at the banks of the Mississippi and then around Lake Pontchartrain along the shores of Lake Pontchartrain are a bit higher. So it's a more desirable place to live. Treme is also walking distance from the French Quarter and the Central Business District and Canal Street, which actually used to be our prime retail shopping district. So it's very walkable, um, located in a great place in the city. It's right in the heart of the city. It's the home of Black culture, as we know it in the tourist industry. And the tourist industry is actually one of our biggest challenges because New Orleans is suffering from over-tourism. And we are seeing the results of that in things like our um, wastewater systems <laughs> where the the manhole exploded um, in the French Quarter and it, it just couldn't process all of the the debris, I'll call it, from the thousands of tourists that were in the area. So Treme is starting to feel that, and we see that in our neighborhood in things like short-term rentals, which have displaced people who have lived in downtown New Orleans their whole lives. They work in the French Quarter. They work in the CBD. They are the people who make the city run. Uh, And those people, because of short-term rentals, have been displaced and pushed farther east or west into the suburbs, which makes it, makes it a lot harder for them to get to work. So we have those kinds of challenges. And then, of course, there's the interstate, which brings all of the public health challenges that, that we're faced with. Um, and we, we do get emissions, I, I would like to add, from some of the riverboat traffic, because we've got some big ships that navigate the Mississippi and Treme. Um, as I said, it, it abuts the French, French Quarter, it's walking distance. So we get, you know, some of uh, the challenges that come with living close to the river. But our primary public health challenges in this neighborhood come with living adjacent to uh, the Claiborne Expressway and Urban Highway. So what is the particular, um, what are some of the issues that that highway has presented for people in, in your neighborhood? Well, emissions are really horrible. They stick to our house. Uh, you need a pressure washer to to get them off. Uh, so it, it can be quite labor intensive to just do things like keep your house clean. I live without air conditioning in New Orleans. I do get breezes from the river more often than people would think. But I live with my windows open and with that comes the dust from the highway. So it's really, really hard to keep a healthy environment if you choose on a pleasant day to have your windows open because we get all of the dust from the highway and the the, um, emissions. And the noise is really, really uh, unbearable sometimes, particularly on weekends. 
when folks are out with things like dirt bikes, uh, which aren't regulated here. Uh, so we do get a lot of noise, sometimes vibration from the heavy truck traffic that is going to the port of New Orleans, which uh, the working wharves here now are uptown. Tourism has taken over the wharf space in the central business district in the French Quarter uh, and parts of the downriver communities, Bywater and Fabric Marigny. But we do get the trucks that are going upriver or uptown uh, to things like the port's cold storage facility. So those can be noisy and they can be very heavy. And in many cases, we don't know what those trucks carry. So you can see that living near an interstate can be pretty perilous, not only for what is transported, but also the other things that come with it, the dirt, the noise. And then because we have an elevated expressway, there are certain undesirable behaviors that happen under it. Uh, For instance, the drug trade and the prostitution, those kinds of crimes, you know, are there for us to see every day. So there are a lot of variables that go into living in this kind of environment or elements, I would say. (laughs) They don't vary much. So I prefer to call them elements. Yeah. What about the economic impacts for, um, you know, homeowners and business owners or people that would want to operate a business around there. Um, I imagine it's not really a a desirable place to like set up shop. No, it's not desirable. You you have some foot traffic, but you can imagine that um, it's really hard to attract foot traffic, which is what would make retail work. Uh, That's pretty much what we have left on the corridor. We don't have services too much anymore. Um, But it's really hard to attract pedestrians uh, to a corridor like this. And there's been 50 years of disinvestment. So instead of having the store with premium dance gear, the butcher, the dentist, the doctor, the lawyer, we don't have that anymore. Those people have moved on. Those businesses have faded away. And now we have... um, quite a selection of convenience stores and other things that feed much more of, um, I want to call it a street population, uh, but that, that may be a misnomer, uh, in a way, but it, it, you know, it serves people who are just passing through is a better way to describe it. You know, you stop at a gas station, you pump gas, you get a Coke or in the case of New Orleans, a beer, you know, in a bag (laughs) and you keep moving. So really the, the businesses that we have, um, don't, aren't neighborhood serving. They're more, uh, in service to the car and uh, a more, uh, transient sort of population. Yeah. So what are some of the tactics that you have been using in your fight against this highway to to educate people about the problem and hopefully push for a change? Well, the, the, my main tool actually has been writing and I have to say much to my surprise, but actually not my husband's um, because he's always encouraged me to be a writer um, and he's a writer, and so I always saw him as the writer and me as the designer. But writing op-eds um, and, and you know, being in, invited to write for publications like Strong Towns have really helped push this conversation into the forefront 
um, you know, in American politics. So that has really been uh, a blessing for me. And I'm very happy that I have the skills to actually uh, write and use that, develop that as a tool to communicate not only to the everyday people, but also to the power structure. Um, that's been uh, very successful. And also, just on a local level, uh, doing campaigns that really speak to the situation on the street. Uh, several years ago, I partnered with Far Associates out of Chicago, and we did a poster campaign that was plastered on the uh, supports of the interstate. And we used that strategy because we felt that that was the best way to bring awareness to what that piece of infrastructure was doing to the city, what what we lost, because we lost quite a bit on Claiborne Avenue, what we're basically stuck with now, which is not a, a great situation at all, but also what we could look to for the future. And it was very interesting watching the neighborhood respond to the, the posters. Uh, we put them up in sets of three, um, and there were four chapters. We got two up and then COVID hit. So we weren't able to complete the campaign. But on a very neighborhood level, it did bring awareness to the interstate and actually our fight to improve the neighborhood. Not everybody appreciated the work, but that was to be expected because the the points that we made it on the posters were pretty pointed. So I didn't expect warm, fuzzy embraces from people. I expected real heartfelt reactions. And that is what I got. Uh, Some wonderful and some very angry. And actually, I'm very glad that we were able to stimulate that kind of emotion in my neighbors. Yeah, I imagine when you're talking about trying to get rid of a thoroughfare that a bunch of people use to drive quickly from one place to another. It's uh, not uh, an uncontroversial thing at all. (laughs) That's right. It is not. Not even in your family. (laughs) So who have been some of the partners or like like-minded organizations or other folks that have been with you in this, in this cause so far? Well, the Congress for the New Urbanism has been very, very supportive. Uh, So I very greatly appreciate the support that they have shown. And they were a primary force behind getting um, our campaign out and recognized by the, the popular media. So I'm very, very happy for that. Uh, So they've been a great partner. And then members of the Congress for the New Urbanism have been very supportive in providing pro bono services for associates, as I mentioned before, um, and now Collective Form, which is a startup, and I'm very happy to work for them. They produce 3D models, so they're helping us um, illustrate what Claiborne Avenue could look like without the interstate. So if you go to the Claiborne Avenue Alliance's website, you can actually play with the model and click on and off. There are a couple of points of interest on our model now. We could certainly populate it with much more. Um, But again, this is pro bono work that has um, certainly helped push our campaign along. Uh, So I'm very appreciative of my colleagues for helping me get this far. I couldn't have done it without them. 
What is the change that you're advocating for? Like, what's the vision of what what would happen if you were able to get rid of this highway? Yeah. Um, well, I think if we could fully realize that vision, and there's no reason why New Orleans can't realize the complete removal of the highway. And and when I say complete removal, I mean the section between the Central Business District and the edge of the Seventh Ward, which is the residential neighborhood that abuts Treme. Both Treme and the Seventh Ward were really severely impacted by the building of the highway. Um, so in the removal, you know, in my wildest dreams, Claiborne would actually begin to resemble its old self, of course, in a uh, much more contemporary manner because we can't recreate the past, but we could certainly look to it as a model where we would have a mix of uses um, on the avenue. The, it still has its mixed-use character. It's not nearly as robust as it was, but there are there is a small mix of uses there. So if we could grow that, that would be great. There is a great desire on the part of the community to re-envision Claiborne as a Black Wall Street, which it was at one time. I mean, that was the Black economic center of New Orleans before the highway came in. So you can imagine what a big piece of the economy uh, that was in the city, because this is a Black city. Uh, so when you pull that out, then you basically open up a big hole um, in the economy. So uh, there, there is a strong desire on many of our parts to actually see that come back in a really healthy and productive way. Uh, so that would be good. And of course, just to restore the beauty of Claiborne, uh, for those of you who have been to New Orleans and you've gone down St. Charles Avenue and you've you know, marveled at the beautiful old oaks. Uh, Claiborne was the St. Charles Avenue of the Black neighborhood. So if we could certainly bring that sort of lushness back to the neighborhood, uh, number one, it would be appreciated. There are many folks who remember that lushness and would love to see it return. And we know in the age of COVID, uh, healthy over open spaces are desirable in neighborhoods. We need to be outside. Uh, that's how we keep from making one another sick. So there are a lot of things that could be accomplished by returning Claiborne to, uh, or harking back. I won't say returning it to its former glory, but certainly harking back to its former glory. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if there's a challenge with getting people to picture what the neighborhood could be without the highway if it's been there for so many decades. I, I imagine there's a lot of people who don't just don't know anything else. Uh, but then there are people who have have a longer history in the neighborhood who maybe can see that vision. Is that like part of this challenge of getting people to imagine what it could be without that highway? Yeah, that's a huge challenge. And thank you for picking up on that, um, which is one reason why Collective Forms 3D model is so important because it does help people envision what the um, corridor could look like without the highway. There are a couple of kids who live on my block, and actually they were outside during COVID um, playing, and I asked them if they could envision Claiborne without the bridge, because that's what we call the interstate um, in New Orleans, and they can't. They just couldn't believe that 
the bridge hasn't always been there. And there are so many people in New Orleans who only know that bridge. So asking them to imagine something different has uh, been a really, really tall order. So part of our job is to actually help them envision Claiborne in a very different manner because getting their buy-in is going to be, you know, converting their hearts and minds and actually giving them a vision that's believable and attainable. You know, part of the problem with planning studies is they sit on the shelves and people never see them as attainable. What we do from now on has to be attainable and it has to have visual impact. And I would say quickly, you know, we live in an age of instant gratification. So if it takes people 50 years to see something, they're not going to believe it's going to happen. Yeah. I bet your background as an architect and urban designer is very helpful in all this conversation about visioning and modeling and everything. It, it is. And um, several of my neighbors have uh, learned that that's an asset. You know, not many Black communities have the benefit of an architect or architects and planners in them when when they're engaged in this kind of fight. Usually those people come in and help. Uh, so my neighbors are very happy that I'm able to speak those languages because they are very different languages um, to actually help improve the neighborhood and move the fight forward. What are some of the results that you're proud of so far? I know it's a, a long battle, but are there any wins that you've had that you feel good about? Yeah, there are a couple of wins. Um, of course, being called out by the president is a huge win. Uh, people finally saw that I wasn't just this crazy person talking nonsense who lives in Treme. Um, you know, in New Orleans, it's full of crazy people. So I was just another one in some people's minds. But that validation certainly uh, changed the the playing field here. And I'm very appreciative for that. I'm also very appreciative for the support that I've seen from uh, Congressman Troy Carter, who came to our uh, community meeting and uh, spoke very passionately about wanting to see a community-driven plan for changing Claiborne. So I, I appreciate his support. And Representative Royce Duplessis, uh, He's our state representative and the highway sits right very squarely in his district. So I'm very, and he came out and he spoke at our recent community meeting. So I'm very happy to see that there are politicians um, in the state and on the federal level who are supporting this fight. That is a brand new thing for uh, the fight for the removal of the interstate in New Orleans. What are some of the things that you all will be working on next, you know, in the, the rest of the year or the coming years in this process to try and get rid of the highway? Well, hopefully we will win some funding from the Reconnecting Communities Program. And if we win, that will give us the ability to actually prepare for removal. So there are a couple of things that we need to do. We have a traffic study that's 10 years old. We certainly need to look at that study, uh, do some modeling to see where we are now. There is a great need to study freight. Uh, 
New Orleans is a port city. In fact, all of South Louisiana is dotted with ports. And we will not successfully be able to remove the interstate if it is determined that this is this two mile stretch, and it's not even two miles, around two mile stretch, is vital to freight traffic. I think we're going to see otherwise in um, traffic modeling. So, but it's important to show this because it's important to prove that removing this stretch of highway, which is really adversely affected to black neighborhoods, um, is not going to impact the economics of the state of Louisiana, particularly South Louisiana. So being winding funding to be able to look at those types of systems and how they work and how they're interrelated and how the regional traffic affects, uh, you know, the, the local more urban traffic is a really big piece of it. And the other huge piece, which I'm very excited about, is working with community to actually look at the transformation of Claiborne from a derelict mixed-use corridor into a, a very rich ethnic cor- corridor that really speaks to what it means to have uh, a Black economic engine and a Black Wall Street in your city. And of course, we know from Tulsa, lessons in Tulsa, that this is uh, not only an, uh, another topic that's part of the national discussion, but certainly uh, a necessary step in restorative justice. Uh, So there are some exciting things on the horizon that we can do if we get the funding. So the job of, of my team now is to actually come up with a community driven plan that speaks to the current goals of the Department of Transportation and also prepares us for the next step, which has to be removal. The the highway is obsolete. The Claiborne Expressway no longer uh, meets safety standards. So we're going to have to do something about it. We can't continually have um, an unsafe roadway in a city like New Orleans, really in any city, particularly when there's money to make improvements. So we have to be wise about how we spend our dollars and the decisions that we make to improve not only our roads and highways and bridges, but also our communities. And we're at a time where people must come first. Well said. Well, to close this out here, what advice would you give for somebody that's listening that is also troubled by a highway in in their urban neighborhood, what suggestions would you give for somebody that wants to take on that fight in their place? (laughs) Uh, Don't be afraid to say no. Uh, Certainly arm yourself with as much information as you can, uh, know the facts, and, and, and I'm learning every day, so it's an ongoing process. But more than anything, Stay wise, stay healthy, and definitely stay aware. There are a lot of moving parts when you do this kind of work. Uh, So you definitely have to be on your P's and Q's all the time. But taking care of self is a, a, a big thing. I've found that out sooner than later because you can burn out quite easily when you're doing this. The fights are hard and they're intense and they require that you learn a lot of stuff. Uh, So it's very important to look after self and family, but also arm yourself and be prepared to do battle because you will definitely be engaged. 
Yeah, it's a long fight. Long fight. Well, thank you so much, Amy Stelly, for coming on the show. I'll make sure to share a link to the Claiborne Avenue Alliance website and some of the great articles that you've written on various um, different different news outlets. So thank you for sharing your story today. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Strong Towns is currently rolling out five priority campaigns focused on key issues that are really important to this movement and to building Strong Towns across America. And one of those is end highway expansion. We are fighting to end highway expansion across the country and to prevent the wasted money that gets spent on building more and more highways with no plan for how to maintain them. All the while, well, these highways are harming our communities, taking away economic prospects, you know, ruining businesses and homes. Um, so if you're interested in that campaign, um, we will have information for you very soon about how to join in more. But in the meantime, you're going to be seeing articles about this topic. Um, you can head to our action lab to get resources already on this and expect a lot more to come about ending highway expansion and uh, getting rid of these harmful highways that are just polluting our communities economically, environmentally, uh, safety-wise, just a huge harm and a huge drag on our cities. So keep an eye out for more on our end highway expansion campaign. Thank you to our Strong Towns members for supporting this movement, um, all of these new campaigns we have rolling out, and the work of podcasts like this one. If you want to become a member and join this fantastic group of advocates across the country and across the world, head to strongtowns.org membership to join as a supporter today. Thank you so much, and we will see you back here next week. Take care.